centered in the majestic gallery of time, hangs the portrait of a lamb. A lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. A lamb who is Jesus the Christ. There is no more epic figure in all of human history than Jesus. There is no more epic life lived. There is no life that will echo louder throughout eternity than the life of Jesus. I can't begin today to verbalize to you how big and how massive this concept of epic is. I, I cannot begin today to, to communicate or to verbalize to you how significant the life of Jesus is in your life and my life. There is no other human life that begins to compare. But today I wasn't asked to come here and talk about Jesus. I was asked to come here and talk about number two. (laughs) Um, In my estimation, if I were to go through all of the Bible and find the other most epic story, it would probably be the story of Moses. Who... uh, which story in the Bible has, has more bedtime stories? Which character has more bedtime stories than Moses, huh? Let me just uh, rehearse for you a, a few of the significant events in the life of Moses that you probably already know about, just to give you an idea of how um, massive and how widespread his life is and how influential he was. He was saved at birth by Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. Each of these could be a bedtime story in and of itself. It could be an epic story that we could talk about today. He learned about uh, who God was while he was in the wilderness wandering. He didn't know uh, what was going on. He learned how to trust God. Then remember the story of the burning bush. I mean, who who can forget that God showed up in a bush that was not consumed and, and spoke to Moses through that burning bush. It's a great story. We love to tell that story to our kids. We love the implications of that story ourselves. It's a, it's a huge story. This is just one guy. Remember the ten plagues when Moses had to go before Pharaoh and announce, let my people go, and the ten plagues came? Moses was the deliverer of those words to Pharaoh. And every one of those is a story in and of itself. It's, a, it's, it's huge. It's massive. It's epic. <laughs> uh, the last plague, the Passover. The Passover is in, in, uh, at that point in history is a picture of what Jesus is in our lives today. The Passover was where the death angel was sent by God to the camp to kill the firstborn and every family, their livestock and, and their children. The firstborn in every family was going to die unless they had the blood of the lamb sprayed over the doorpost or spread over the doorpost. In the same way, Jesus, the blood of the lamb was shed to protect us, to prevent us from death and to provide for us eternal life. It's a beautiful picture and uh, that's all part of the the big picture of who Moses is. How about the deliverance of the Israelites when he said, let my people go, and finally they were allowed to go. And of course, one of the most dramatic stories is when they, they came to the crossing of the Red Sea. I mean, who, who doesn't know that story where, where they were... In fact, we're going to talk about it today. <laughs> so if you don't know it, you will. Um, and then when the children of Israel were wandering around out in the wilderness, 
there's manna from heaven. They received manna. from God Himself just caused manna to be on the ground when they woke up every morning. And quail there formed the, the provision. The water from the rock. Remember Moses struck the rock and water came out. It was a miracle. The people had water to drink. Ah, and then there's the Ten Commandments. The, the picture that we've got up here um, that's so dramatic. I mean, God Himself took His finger and inscribed the Ten Commandments into the tablets. Moses was a part of that story. And then perhaps for me, one of the crowning things about Moses' life was uh, when he was on the mountaintop with God, he asked God, he had such a relationship with God, he said, God, can I see your glory? And God said, you know what? You can't, you can't look at my face. You can't see my glory completely by itself because it'll kill you. I'm that holy and you're human. But I'll let you get a glimpse of my glory. And God passed by and hid Moses in the cleft of the rock so that Moses could just get a glimpse of the glory of God. What a character. I mean, Moses is... We could, we could do a series on Moses that would last for months just talking about the big events in Moses' life. I know of no character... Uh, beyond Jesus that begins to to match the magnitude of the life of Moses. Let's set just a little bit of a historical backdrop for what we want to talk about today. As you know, the children of Israel, God's chosen people, had to leave their land, their country, to go into Egypt back when there was famine. Remember the story of Joseph. And Joseph was able to get provision for the Israelites as his family was moved to Egypt so that they could survive the famine. Well, after a period of time... The Israelites became slaves in the land of Egypt. And there were multiple hundreds of years that the Israelites served at the hand of harsh taskmasters. They were the ones that were making the bricks for the buildings. This was not just a convenient maid service. They were performing hard slave labor. They were in bondage in the captivity. And they're the people of God. And they were cried out for hundreds of years, God, deliver us. Set us free, God. Finally, God shows up, as we just talked about, to Moses in the burning bush. And he says, Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go because here's what I have for my people, Moses. I have a land flowing with milk and honey. I have a promised land. It's called Canaan. And that's what, the, what, what my destiny is for my people. And Moses, you're the guy who's going to deliver those people into the promised land. Moses reluctantly obeyed God. He went and stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, ain't no way, buddy. You're not getting out of here. Moses said, okay. God starts sending plagues down one at a time. And after every plague, it was pretty devastating. And and Pharaoh would come back and say, all right, just get out of here. And as soon as he'd do that, he'd change his mind, call him back in. So Moses had to go back before Pharaoh. This happened over and over and over again. And every time the plagues got a little more severe, So it finally got to that Passover plague. And finally it hit home that God's not backing down. God's not changing. And finally, Pharaoh let God's people go. And that's where we're going to pick up the story today. But I think there's something very important for us to learn. When the children of Israel left captivity and began to move into freedom, they were following the path of God for their lives. And today we're going to talk about the path of God. And we're going to allow this story of Moses and this story of the children of Israel, which is a great story, they're great truths, but they're not just about Moses and they're not just about the Israelites, they're about you and me. There are truths here for us to learn about the the journey that these people were on, the path of God. And today I want to say to you, I want to follow God's path. I want to be on God's path for my life. 
I think that if I were to get face to face with you and ask you, do you want to be on God's path for you? You'd say, oh, yeah, sure. Especially here at church, because it's the right thing to say here at church, right? We'd all say, oh, yeah, I want to follow God's path. I'm going to do, I want to do what God wants me to do. And yet, as we're going to see today, it's not always the easiest path. It's not always the most pleasant path. And there's a lot of times when the truth is we don't, we're not sure we want to follow God's path. And I think we're going to see that today as we look at the Scriptures. In Exodus chapter 13, we read these words. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Here's the thing. They're in Egypt. God said, you get to go to the, the land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. It's Canaan. If you leave Egypt and walk straight to Canaan, it's about a two-week journey. The children of Israel could have left Egypt and gone to the land of promise and been there in about two weeks. But God said to Moses, I don't want them to take the straight path to the promised land. I want them to go this other way. How many times have you been confronted with, in your life, you think that you know the straightest, the shortest, the easiest, the most intelligent path, and God will say to you, no, nah, I don't think so. I've got other ideas. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me where God said, I want you to go another way, a way that doesn't seem normal to you, a way that doesn't seem natural or easy or even smart because it's the path of God. How many of you today are willing to say God's ways are higher than my ways? His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Well, I'm willing to say it as a religious repetition, recitation, but I'm not sure I'm really willing to live it. But God said in this case, I don't want you to go the shorter path. I want you to go the longer path. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. You see, God knew that this was a bunch of professional slaves. They've just been set free from captivity. They, they came out armed for war. The Israelites went out, up out of Egypt armed for battle. But these guys aren't trained warriors. They're trained slaves. That's what they know to do. They left their, their captivity. They said, we're free people now. We'll defend. We'll take on any comer because we're not going back into captivity. We're ready for battle. And God said, no, you're really not. You think you're ready for battle, but you're really not because if the Philistines come, if the, you take the shortest path to Canaan and you meet up with the Philistines, they're going to win the battle and they're going to dishearten you and you're going to end up back in captivity. Ah, they didn't want to hear that. I'm sure. Don't you, know, don't you just see these young bucks saying, yeah, I'll take, I'll take them on. Bring them on. Bring them on. I'll fight them. I can handle them. God says, no, you're not ready yet. So God's path for them was a path of providence. God's path for them was not the path of their own choosing, was not the path of ease, was not the path of convenience. It was the path of providence, the path of destiny. And I want to say to you today, I want to be on God's providential path for my life. I want to be on the path of destiny that God has for me. If that's not the easiest path, I still want to be on it. I want to be on it. I'm not sure I'm willing to take the steps necessary to get there. We'll continue on. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 5, 
When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind about them and said, What have we done? We've let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. Pharaoh said, you know, I, I really got tired of these plagues. And when, the, when it got to the point where it was killing our firstborn, that was it. Get these Israelites out of our, our camp. Get these Israelites away from us. And yet, three days into the journey, Pharaoh and his guys sit down to have a meeting at the conference table. And they say, oh, Pharaoh, you really blew it, man, because you just sent our economic engine out into the desert. We don't have a workforce now. We're in trouble. Our whole economy is going to collapse. Our whole society is at risk, Pharaoh, because we lost these slaves, hundreds of thousands of them. And so Pharaoh and his guys, they decide we've made a mistake. We're going to go back and get them. So they get on their chariots and their horses and they take off after the Israelites. Well, what do you think is going to happen? I think the Israelites are probably going to be aware of this pretty soon, don't you? Israelites are following Moses, who's telling them that we're following God. But the first thing I want to say to you today about the path that God has for you and your life is the same thing that the Israelites had to deal with the path for their life. The path that God has for you is going to be wrought with problems. I know you didn't want to hear that. I know you wanted to tell me, just follow God and everything's going to be cool. Well, I can say it's follow God and everything's going to be cool. But the reality is that while everything's cool... There's going to be lots of discomfort, lots of things that you're going to be confronted with, lots of things you're going to have to deal with, and lots of problems. And the Israelites found themselves facing this. In verse 11, they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done with us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Oh, my. Gosh, how many times have you said, I would rather live in slavery than possibly die in freedom? How many times have we made that choice? You know, in slavery, at least we know we got three squares a day. And at least we know we got a roof over our heads. And at least we know where the outhouse is. Slavery's not all that bad, is it? I think I'd rather just stay here in slavery where I know I can live than to step out of slavery into freedom where there's a possibility I might die. I'm afraid that we, we get there all too often. I'm afraid that we live there all too often. I'm afraid that we journey or make decisions down that path all too often. I don't want to live in, in slavery. I want to live in freedom. They had a fear of dying in freedom, but nobody said they were going to die in freedom. It was just a possibility. How often do we really miss it on that possibility? I want to tell you another thing that comes with God's path. The path that God has for your life, the path that God has for my life, is a path of promise. How about this? Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Now, <laughs> I want you to get the picture. 
They've been following God three days. They left Egypt. They're following God. And God has raised up for them a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And they're following that. And they know they're following God. They've been following God by following this pillar. And all of a sudden, the pillar stops. They stop. Somebody turns around to look and they see a cloud in the back and they hear chariots and horses. They say, did you hear that? Oh no, Pharaoh's coming after us. All of a sudden, they're afraid. What did Moses say to them? Moses answered the people and said, do not be afraid. How many times does God say that throughout history, throughout Scripture? Over and over and over again, God says, fear not. Do not be afraid. If you're going to be on God's path, you're going to be challenged with things that are going to make you afraid. And God's word to you is, fear not. Do not be afraid. I want to be afraid. I have every reason to be afraid. I'm following this pillar of cloud, which is kind of spooky as it is anyway. And I hear chariots and horses and I see the dust cloud and I know there's an army coming to kill me. I've got good reason to be afraid. What do you mean, God, telling me don't be afraid? Moses says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, how many of you want to be still? When you're up against a... Well, when you're between a rock and a hard place. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the epitome of the, the expression, isn't it? You've got this, this wall on this side... You, you can't go anywhere else. It's a pillar that you've been following that stopped and there's no way to get through that. And you've got the enemy coming up down your, on, on your backside. It's a pretty hard thing to be still and know that God is God. But I want to say to you, if you're going to be on the path of God, God's going to ask you to stand still and trust Him. And for me, that's one of the hardest things I'll ever have to do. Because I'm not about standing still. I'm about moving around. About moving on. Matter of fact, the next one, the next element of God's path is a path of progress. He says in verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. You see, there's a time for God when God says, You've got to stand still and trust me. And then there's a time in your life, in, on your path with God, where you've got to move on. Does it happen to you sometimes where you know it's time to move on and you just to stand still because you're petrified by fear? Or you know it's time to stand still and trust God? You know that's the right thing to do, but you just can't do it. It's like you're standing on the train tracks and the locomotive is roaring towards you and God's saying, stand still, stand still, just wait, trust me, believe me. But, 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 but God, you don't, you don't see that locomotive. You don't feel the tracks rumbling underneath you. You don't know how bad, you don't know how scary this is. God says, am I God? Have I always been God? Am I still going to be God? You either trust me or you don't. Oh, God, don't ask me to go there. I, don't want to, I could just step aside, God, and everything would be okay. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. And then when I say, when I give you the word, then you move on. There's a time in your life when God's going to say, if you're on God's path, when He's going to say, stand firm. And then there's going to come a time when God's going to say, move on. Just like He said to the children of Israel. 
The beautiful thing about the path that God's on is that He provides protection for us. There's a wonderful protection that comes uh, from being on God's path. In verse 19, Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night. I'm marching through the wilderness, following the cloud. The cloud stops. I turn around. I see the enemy. Life is not good. Life is pretty bad right now. I'm pretty messed up. I'm pretty scared about what's going to happen. I'm not really trusting God a whole lot right now. And all of a sudden, God picks this pillar of fire or cloud, depending on what time of day it was, and He moves it around. To Can you imagine being there? I mean, imagine the reality of the moment. This isn't just a fun bedtime story to tell. This really happened. Can you imagine standing there and seeing this huge pillar of cloud or fire and or fire pick up and move around and position itself between you and the enemy? You talk about protection. God finds ways to protect His people. The people that are on God's path will be protected. God, I want to follow your path. I want to do what you want me to do. But God, things aren't looking real good. Oh, wait a minute. The cloud's moving. Thank you, God. But unfortunately, we don't always wait long enough for God to move the cloud because we get off his path. And then when he moves the cloud to do the protection, we're not in between the enemy. I mean, the, the cloud's not between us and the enemy anymore because we've gotten off God's path. See, there's a huge lesson here for us. Verse 21, we talk about the provision that is ours when we're on God's path. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. When it comes time, when it comes time, when God's timing is right, the provision will be there. God, I wanted that provision an hour ago. I wanted that provision yesterday. God, I didn't want to have to wait all night for you to dry that land. This was not cool, God. You you made me sweat. You made me nervous. You made me uncomfortable, God. I don't like it this way, God's Provision will always be there for us. God is a God of provision. God never fails. God always is a God of provision. But we have to wait for God. Oh God, I want to put. I, just, I can handle this, God. You know, we could have built a boat by this time and been halfway across the sea while you're blowing your wind across there and drying this up. I don't like this. No, you stand still and wait until I say it's time to move on. When I dry it up, I'll tell you it's time to move on, and my provision will be there for you. Can you? They say archaeologists say some of them say that the water walls of water could have been as much as a hundred feet high on either side. Can you imagine walking through dry land with a water? a hundred feet high on both sides of you. Imagine the drama of that moment, the reality of that moment. Perhaps one of the most exciting things about being on the path of God is the provision of God. In verse 25, He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. You see, after the Israelites went into the water, then God said, okay, I'm going to let the Egyptians follow the Israelites for a little bit. Just enough to get them all the way in the water 
and let the Israelites to get to the other side. And then I'm going to bring those walls of water down. And when the walls of water started to come down, their chariots got bogged down in mud. You know that archaeologists have actually found chariot wheels and chariots and horses' hooves under the sea where they think that the Israelites crossed there? It's fascinating. God said, you know, I've got a way for you out, but more than anything else, you need to know that my presence is there. You need to know that my presence will always be there for you. And this is what they said. The Egyptians were in the water. They saw it was all coming down on them. They said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. The Lord is fighting for them. What a glorious, glorious testimony. The Lord is fighting for them. I want to know that God is fighting for me, but I cannot be guaranteed of that unless I'm on God's path. God's going to fight for me when I'm on His path. God's going to make His presence known to me. He's going to reveal His presence in my life and in my situation when I'm on His path. So, I want to give you these three takeaways from our lesson today. Three things. Because you and I want to know that we're on God's path. The best way to know God's path is to follow God. You know, that sounds awfully simplistic, doesn't it? That sounds almost insultingly simple. And yet, it's so foundational that we often miss it. Don't you want to be on God's path and have all of those things, the provision, the protection, the promise, the progress? Don't you want to have all of those things? Of course you do. But the best way to know that the path that you're on is the path of God is to simply follow God. And I think if you're going to be honest with yourself, and I think if I'm going to be honest with myself, there are lots of times when I'll look at this and say, you know, I'm not really following God. I'm following myself, following my own ideas, I'm following whatever, all kinds of other things. But you know when you're following God. And I want to say to you, the best way to know that you're on the path of God is by following God Himself. Sounds kind of simplistic, and yet... It's kind of foundational. The second thing, don't tell your God about your problem. Tell your problem about your God. And again, that sounds a little bit simplistic, but let me tell you this. In, in uh, Mark chapter 11, Jesus said, if you've got the faith to say to that mountain, mountain, be moved and cast into the sea. If you've really got faith and you believe it, that mountain will move and be cast into the sea. Now, I haven't gone out and spoken to any mountains lately and asked them to be cast into the sea, but I understand the principle at work here that Jesus was talking about. There was a time when Moses said, you know what, people? Don't worry about it. Just do what God said. Matter of fact, let me read to you what God said back in verse 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? God had already spoke. God had already given him direction. God had already told him what the path was. Moses is standing there saying, God, if you don't do something, the Israelites over here are going to stone me and the Egyptians over here are going to kill me. Either way, I'm a goner. God, what are you going to do? And God said, why are you crying out to me? I already told you what to do. I don't need to tell you again. Don't cry out to me. Don't cry out to God and tell God how terrible your problem is. Cry out to your problem and tell, tell that problem how terrible your God is. And you see what it will do to your mind. 
is that when you begin to realize that you have that, that, that you have relationship with a terrible, terrible God, with a with a, a fierce God, with a strong God, when you have an understanding about that, you tell that problem how big your God is, you begin to believe how big your God is. And you begin to act like you have a big God. And then finally, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Verse 14, chapter 14, verse 14 of Exodus. Moses speaking to his people, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I think perhaps the hardest thing for us to do is to stand still and wait for God to do what God needs to do. And yet, if we're going to be on the path that God has for us, the path of God's uh, destiny for us, then there's going to be a certain amount of waiting involved. Stand still and trust that God Himself will come through. One of the things Kim said when we were in Bulgaria is that she noticed how fervently the Bulgarians prayed. When they prayed, they prayed with a fervor and with a passion like if God didn't come through, if God didn't answer the prayer, it wasn't going to get answered. Well, duh. And yet, that's not us, is it? I mean, consider this. Oh, God, I have a headache. Please help me, God, to get rid of this headache. But don't bother yourself too much because I'll just run over here to the medicine cabinet and get a Tylenol and pop that and, you know, everything will be okay. And we kind of wrestled through that whole concept because there are places in the world where if God doesn't come through, there ain't no coming through. And that's what we saw some when we were there. We saw some desperation. We heard some desperation prayer. God, please come through because if you don't come through, there is no other answer. And I wonder sometimes if you and I would be better off to live a little bit more there. God, if you don't come through, then there's no coming through. Sometimes I think the reason that we don't pray more like that is because we find ourselves not really on God's path. Because I think when we get on God's path, there's a certain amount of that that follows. Now, that's not to say it's all doom and gloom. But it is to say that when we're following God, we can expect certain things from God. Stand still and know that God is God. Let's pray. Father, I so want to be on Your path and I so want to follow You. And yet, God, I know that sometimes the, uh, the short way, the straight and narrow way is the way that seems most appealing to me. And God, I want to say to You today, whatever You have in store, whatever that means, God, I want to be on Your path. I want to follow You. I want to obey You. And I want to be under Your protection and Your provision and Your promise. And I want to know, God, that you can handle it. So we trust you, God. We look forward to what you'll do with our lives in Christ's name. Amen.